It's time to talk about Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. And now, here's Ira. My guest is Milenko Matijevich. He is from Steelheart. The band is on their 30th anniversary tour and will be performing this Friday, July 23rd at the Golden Nugget Las Vegas. For ticket information, go to goldennugget.com and for everything about Steelheart, go to steelheart.com and you can follow them on Twitter at Steelheart Band and on Instagram at Steelheart01 and Facebook at Official Steelheart. And Milenko, welcome to the show. Hello, everybody out there in Radio Land. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. I have to say that you are the truly the quintessential American success story. And the reason I say that is this. You moved from Croatia to the United States at an early age. You got into a band. You had the influences of Johnny Cash and Led Zeppelin. You then became involved at an early age. At age nine, you were singing in the church choir. And that's when your musical career took off in a way. You could call it a journey, but I think you've always been working. I don't know. You know what? Honestly, I don't know if I have enough time in this lifetime to complete all the things I want to do. You know, yes, I am always working. And I think it's just the, the fire inside of me, the love for music and the love, the connection with people, you know, what it does to people. I'm, I'm, I'm a conduit, you know. I'm a messenger, so to speak, you know, and I uh, share from what's the other side coming and I give to uh, the world. That's my job. That's my passion. And, um, man, I, I got to tell you, I'm in the studio like a little bit too much <laughs> at some point, <laughs> you know. But uh, but it's really exciting all the time, you know, when, when the songs come together. It is so exciting, which I got to tell you, I, I don't know if you know, but I've written a song. I've written a song uh, like uh, We Are the World kind of thing for the world. And I sang it in 10 languages. And it's finished. And we are hoping to, not hoping, we are we are working hard to get it out there for September 21st, World Peace Day. So <clears throat> just to add more work to, to the fire, so to speak, you know. But um, Well, that's the, yeah. thing, that's the thing. You've ha- you have a combination of passion and hard work. That's unbeatable when you combine those two things. Well, yeah, I mean, it's what, you, it's what it is, you know what I mean? It's like with some, I get a lot of, like, interviews and stuff. I'll never forget one I did in Peru, and it was live TV. It was a pretty big thing, and the guy had his son on, on the show, too, and his son was a singer, and, and he said, oh, man, my son is a great singer. He really loves this, and, and I asked him, well, how hot is the fire? And he looked at me kind of confused why would i ask such a question i was like ay, ay, ay. Okay, well, <laughs> there you go you got your answer <laughs> you know what i mean you got your answer exactly so. exactly yeah. I'm, I'm amazed you're doing that in 10 languages the, the song that hopefully will come out in september and did you have to speak those 10 languages or you just knew the lyrics that you needed to put in those in those um words? i speak i speak two languages the other ones you have to understand I was blessed with the fact of traveling the world for 30 years. And I spent a lot of time in Asia. And the success of Steelheart is is, uh, fairly large in a lot of parts of uh, the Asian countries. 
so I kind of, you know, I, I can, I've been around the languages for so long. And singing Italian was just, that was very simple. Croatian is my language. That was easy. Spanish was easy. Uh, Japanese wasn't difficult either. You know, I, uh, Korean, Chinese, it wasn't difficult as soon as I understood it because it has a lot of little inflections. But that's what's most difficult learning or singing languages is the nuances. And you really need to know, um, really need to get those little dialect details because that is what makes it honest and real. And what I did is I connected with artists all over the world. And we, um, you know, I wrote the lyrics and then we rewrote them in, in their language. And we did a whole Zoom thing and then I would sing uh, the, uh, the song roughly. And then we go back and forth until I got a hold of how to really enunciate. And it was a, it was a challenge because, you know, when, when you speak to somebody in a different language, they'll say like, uh, let's say Korean, they'll say sa, you know, and you'll say sa. And they say, no, not sa, sa. It's like, wait a minute. I'm just saying the same thing <laughs> this time. It's like, what, what am I missing? So it, ha- it goes through, you know, a whole process until you really understand the little itsy bitsy thing that you're missing. And then you get it. It was an exciting project. And I, I uh, right now, we're working on the video side of it. And honestly, um, it's a challenge because it came quickly. Because I thought, you know, the 21st would be appropriate day, World Peace Day. So I got my work cut out for me, and I'm trying to figure out how do I bring masses of people. And what I did, by the way, just so you guys know, I um, I had 350 of my fans. I sent a, I put on the website, uh, sing the chorus, and 350. I got 350 uh, files back from my fans, and that is the actual chorus. That's so, a great idea, and I love the yeah. fact that you can utilize technology that way to pull it off. Yeah, exactly. This <laughs> night I said, I don't care. I don't care. Sing it on an iPhone, sitting, sing it in a studio. I don't care how you do it. Just send me because I want the energy of the people. That, that was the main concern, you know? And, um, and then we did a full orchestra. We did a 32-piece orchestra on it. And uh, the guitar player is a famous Korean guitar player. So... I'm very happy with the song. I, I hope I hope the world likes it. I really do. Well, I definitely it's, uh, think it's going to come out on time because you, if anybody could pull it off, you can. Well, I'm it, I'm, we're, I'm on it. <laughs> I'm gonna. I gotta say, I gotta say, I woke up this morning. I'm like I'm exhausted, so I'm trying to because we're also uh, I'm finishing up the Steelheart 30th anniversary album. So I have. Uh, let me see. I have still four more songs to record for that for to get it out there before Christmas. And, you know, I'm re-recording uh, some of the old hits. I'll Never Let You Go. I'm re-recording. And we're doing it acoustically. And I want to do it as a duet. I already did a nice rough demo. It sounds amazing. I would love to find the right lady to do the duet with. So that, and I've done She's Gone. Everybody Loves Eileen. We All Die Young. And uh, what else? Uh and then some new, there's a couple of new songs. Besides all of that, and figuring out the video, and releasing, you know, the song, the 21st, uh, I can honestly say, my ass is kicked. <laughs> <laughs> How do you sustain, so, though? I know you can sustain the passion, that's clear. How do you sustain that work ethic over that many years, that, that many 
decades. You, you know, it's brutal. I'm going to be dead honest with you. This record, I've made a vow to myself, uh, or a promise to myself, should I say. When I finish this record, uh, the 30th record, I'm not, I'm going to change my uh, way of working. I'm going to, because somehow I always end up in the studio by myself creating, producing, engineering, and writing, you know, the stuff. And it's just, it's, uh, it's come to a point where I am all about being like uh, Miliatra, you know, mm -hmm. like Frank Sinatra. Just, I'd like to walk in a studio, sing a song, and leave. You guys figure it out. Make me sound good. It's called you know? delegating. Yeah, but it's, you know, you delegate to a certain point until, because you can delegate very easily with somebody else's money. But when you're using your, but you're paying for everything and producing everything, it's a lot more work and it's a lot more focused. Sure. Because you have to get a lot more done with the amount of funds that you have. And I promise you, guys, this costs insane amount of money. Well, you which, said the 36-piece orchestra, that alone. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you don't, and the thing is, you don't, um, what's the word, um, you don't, you don't get that really back these days. It's not like you put out a record and all of a sudden I make a million dollars. You know, I spend twenty, thirty thousand dollars on on a song and and I get back very little. It's uh, just the way of the world. Yeah, it's a know? it's a different world. But you're in Sinatra territory with a thirty six piece orchestra, so Yeah. yeah no, yeah, yeah. It's it's uh I mean everything I've done also she's gone, I just re recorded it with just piano vocals and some um some keys. But we're also doing a we're also doing a string section on that as well. So, and uh, it is it is um, it's beautiful. I mean, it's really it's done completely different than the original. Change a little bit of melodies, but it still has the authenticity of the original. Great. I'm excited. When you first Sorry started, yeah. When you first started putting this together, do you have a studio that you work out of at home because you work so much and it's easier to work at home? No, I, I don't. I I. I made a promise to myself years and years ago, and must have been over 30 years ago, I'm not going to have a studio in my house, okay? Because if you have a studio in your house, you're never going to be home, all right? I, I, was, I had a studio in my house years ago, and I was always in a studio. I was never even in the house, in the kitchen, or, you know, it's just, it doesn't work. I like to get up. I like to have a cup of coffee, and I like to leave the house and go to my studio. My studio is a place called The Lot Studios, here is uh, Showtime is here, Oprah is here, uh, Live Nation. Uh, no, I don't, I'm sorry. Uh, is it Live Nation? They're moving in, and a lot of uh, different uh, sound stages. Oh, so that was the Frank's old uh, the old Sam Goldwyn Studios. Okay. Formosa and Santa Monica. It's a Goldwyn Studios. It used to be the Goldwyn Studios, and then it became. It's right next to the Formosa Cafe, right? Correct. Okay. Right across the yeah. street, and they revamped the uh, Formosa Cafe. They right. spent over a million dollars in making it beautiful. So anyway, I've been here eight years. That's great. This, is, this has been my spot, like, because uh, uh, it's got good energy, and um, really, you know, I've come up with some really great material here. That's so. good. It is. A, it's got a very historic studio and, and area, so you're in good hands over there. Exactly. Exactly. When Actually, that you and that Frank Sinatra's bungalow here. Yes, I, I think you worked out of there on, on a couple of yep. occasions. Yeah. Well, given your back and forth between home and the studio, and you mentioned you're working hard on the album, how long is it? To get there from the house to the studio, is it 20 minutes, a half hour? Well, fortunately, um, I mean, I got really lucky when I came back to Los Angeles. I was looking everywhere for a studio, and it took me about seven, eight months. And funny, I actually, I was like, oh, man, I got to get cracking. I got to get working. I need to record. And I set up in my dining room, you know, the whole system, the whole thing, wires everywhere. 
I didn't get one thing recorded. (laughs) 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 It was absolutely awful. And I'll never forget, I'm sitting there just going, oh, my God. Every time I I, I record something, I hear a car. <laughs> you know, just people just you know taking a walk, yeah. and you could the microphone picks up air. I'm like, on, I can't believe this. No, Yanko, there's so, a, there's a thing called soundproofing. Well, I mean, I'm in my house, you know. I'm, I just moved, and I'm just like, I just want to get work, and I got to get some things done, you know. <laughs> so I said, so I went to, uh, I'll never forget, I went to, I think, I went to Asia for uh, some shows, and I said, when I come back, when I come back, I'm finding a studio. I need a real studio. I can't be in my house. I had a real studio in my previous uh, home in Connecticut, and I was never home. It was just, it was terrible. It was terrible. I, I, I hated having a studio in my own house. Yeah, you were mentioning and, that earlier. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because you, you, you got to just, you know, you need to feel that sense of leaving or going to work or just getting out of your, when I come home, I want to be home. Sure. I want to enjoy myself. I want to, you know put some music on or some TV or, well, it's you know, like relax. That, it's like the balance in life. You want to have a difference and a balance between work and home. Right. There's nothing worse than seeing wires. It's like, oh. Anyway, so I literally, I came back. As soon as I came back, I went right. I, I literally got undressed, changed, and I went in there and I unplugged everything, put it all in the corners. I was like, I'm finding a room. And I, um, and I took a ride around and, it, and just luckily... I came to this spot here at the lot, and the gal goes to me and goes, well, I got a room downstairs you may be interested in. I was like, I walked down, I was like, yes, done. I mean, it's a beautiful, <laughs> you know, it's a beautiful studio. It's a real studio at the, at the, you know, in the famous lot, and I've been here eight years, and I've created some amazing music here. Except you so, didn't answer my question, which was, how long does it take between going ah. between the house and the studio? <laughs> See, I always remember my question. <laughs> well... Well, I had to go around the whole bend to get to that, right? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's it right. takes me literally, it li- it's literally a five-minute drive. Oh, excellent. So, yeah, yeah, you have the separation of home and studio, and it's five minutes, so you can go back and forth. You can even come home for lunch. I, I sometimes do, you yeah. Know, but I also I do also stay away, and I'll grab lunch around. Everything is around here. Everything's yeah. alive and ticking. Yeah. Well, that's, that so. helps the creative process. And I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the creative process because you're unusual in this sense. We talked about the hard work. We talked about the passion. But there's another element, too, which is the creativity. And what, what I mean by that is this. You said in an interview quite a few years back, I believe, you said that you could write a song in your head. Yeah. Uh, the weight record was written mostly in my head. That's so, how crazy it is. Yeah. yeah. So how but, do, um, once you write it in your head, and I don't know how you do that, but let's say you do that, do you then write it down on paper or record just you singing in, into a recorder? Or how, do you, yeah. how does that work? A little bit of everything. It, it, it's, you know, when it, the thing is, with art, you can't be lazy. When they call on you or they speak to you, you have to be alive, you have to be alert, and you have to be ready to do whatever to remember remember those thoughts and those messages because they are so clean what what gets me is that the messages when i like sometimes songs and ideas and stuff that come to me they are so precise and clean by the time i'll go from my head or even to a pencil to paper i've already lost maybe 30 percent of the the actual intelligence that that i you know felt originally it's crazy and um, I would uh, 
you know, when I was in, when I was really sick, when I got my uh, accident, I was uh, in bed writing these songs and over and over, just spinning them. It's so, okay to do that, where that, where spinning them. And then when I had a moment, I would put it on a, t- a recorder. Uh, I would talk in a recorder. I was singing recorder I, or my phone. My phone is loaded with um, ideas. And that one idea is a song because that idea just turns into, just blossoms into a track when, when, you know, when you get into it. And um, it's just, it's purely magic. Like this song, Trust and Love, you know, I had a conversation with some Korean people in the government, actually. We were just talking about a beautiful song and it's unification. I came to the piano and this thing just, it came out like, it was like, it was effortless. It just, boom, there it is. It's like, whoa, you know. <laughs> the mystery and of creativity. Yeah, it is, um, like I always, like I said, you really have to be ready. You can't be lazy. You have to memorize it. You have to record it. You have to write it down, whatever you got to do. And um, that's my process. And it's, um, it's been beautiful, you know. Yeah, even though you don't have a studio in, in the house, I would imagine from what you just said that you have either a pad of paper and a pen or a recorder next to you in bed. So when you all of a sudden get a creative thought, you've got to immediately commit to it. Otherwise, you'll forget it. Always. Exactly. You've yeah. got to commit to it somehow. And I, I, uh, I, have a, I have a beautiful piano in my living room, which has such a powerful energy, you know, and um, I, I would sit by the piano and I have my phone. My phone is always my key, you know. And it's all backed up to the iCloud, so just in case something goes wrong, I'll, I'll always have the files. Because like I said, you know, there's songs that I've written 20 years ago or ideas that, that spark today, you know. It could be like, oh, that, that song. And it just turns into, it just, you just get into it and you let it, let it do its thing. You can't force it. You can't push it. You know, it's interesting. I had a conversation with, um, I forgot, a writer. He's like, oh, I got writer's block. I got this. He goes, how do you deal with it? I go, you know, there was moments that I was under a deadline. I mean, beyond deadlines. It's like, oh, my God, I got to read. I got to send this song in by Friday. And it's Tuesday. I haven't finished the lyrics. The lyrics don't make sense. (laughs) They're not there. And instead of panicking or, you know, trying to get it done, I do nothing. I literally do nothing. I leave it alone. I'll go, I'll go have dinner, I'll have drinks, whatever I'll do, and I'll just, I'll wait till it calls on me. And you know what? It is so beautiful and remarkable that in the, in the most, how would I say, intimate or weird times of them by myself just working or just being peaceful, all of a sudden it is like, there it is. And then two words turn into five and to ten and, and, and it just blossoms. So it's all about really being patient till, till you know, it speaks to you. You're absolutely so. right. There's been several books on creativity. One, an old book that you can hardly find these days called Your Key to Creativity. And in it, the author talks about that part of it where, you're, yes, you're coming up with ideas and you reach a certain point where you just, as you say, step back, go and do something else, let your subconscious work on it. Yeah, and, because you can't push it. Yeah, like you anything. can't push it. Right. Anything in life, you've pushed too hard, you hold on too tight, you anything like that, it doesn't work. And um, you know, I'm sure we all 
felt the pains of that. You know what I mean? We have. But, um, the other thing, too, you mentioned that when you had your accident, a lot of people would have been sidelined and felt sorry for themselves and not done anything. You were busy still creating, even in bed. Oh, my that that accident was. I don't recommend it for anyone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> was, exactly. That was just horrific. I got to tell you, you know, just being uh, being in bed. I was about six, seven months in bed. I couldn't leave the house because my the, my brain swelled in it, so I couldn't walk. I couldn't blink. It was so painful. But I did lay there, and some really amazing, you know thoughts came through even titles of songs are songs you know what i mean sure and yeah i i i fought through it it was um it was tough because i lost a lot of memory and then i lost a lot of i was in a fog you know for a long time and um so being kind of conscious and unconscious in a weird way being present but not being here it's like really it was terrible but i knew i had to keep going and um I had one uh, neuropsychologist actually, after many doctors I've seen, she explained to me and she said to me, hey man, you got to do this yourself. You got to, you got to get yourself out of this. You got to focus and keep focusing, write stuff down and keep going. And you will have to re kind of reprogram yourself, reprogram your brain. It's, it's, uh, it was, uh, difficult. And until this day, I got to always Stay focused. I have one beer, and I'll forget your name. <laughs> it's the craziest thing. It's the craziest thing, you know? Thank you for not drinking while we're doing this. So. <laughs> right. I'll be, I'll be all over the place. Do you find that because you're creative, I've never actually asked anybody this before, but from listening to you, I think you're the perfect person to ask. Obviously, you can surround yourself with creative people at the studio or go out for drinks, etc. But is it hard for a creative person to be surrounded by, say, family members who are not necessarily creative. They're great people, but they don't, they're not on the same plane in a way. They're not in the same, they're not tuning in the way you tune in. And is it awkward in the sense that because they see you creating all this stuff and they can't, they can't do it, but they accept it and vice versa, you realize that they can't do what you do, but they're loved ones. So is that a dynamic that you've experienced? Um, yes and no. I mean, you know, it's like this. It's like, I, I always say, how can I explain this? You know, it is so important. And I, I will say this, really, if I can be, see if I can clarify this. It's so important for everybody to be who they are. And that is the hardest thing to find, is to find yourself, to find out really who you are. Because... Being, if I am this artist and that's what I create, that's who I am. I've tried, hey, I, I've tried quitting myself. Trust me, I've been in positions that I'm like, what am I doing? And I keep hitting walls and creating music and, and then if this doesn't happen or this doesn't happen. But it can't because this is who I am. You know, this is what I'm meant to do. This is what I have been doing. Where my family members or friends, that they are who they are whether they are mechanical engineers or are they realtors or are they or are they moms or whatever it is. But if you can be true yourself, it all works and it works in harmony. And I've never had issues with my friends or my family, me being who I am, because they all they all been solid in their shoes, you know? And I really respect that. And that's all there is. It really it really is. It's not like 
you know, it's it's not like I'm creating, um, you know, mass uh, mass amounts of uh, uh, money or or gold in the back room that I'm going to bring out. You know what I mean? Sure. It's just uh, it's my art and my message, my messages that's coming through me. And some of the stuff I don't even feel it's me. Sometimes I mean, I, I, I'm I guess I'm one of the guys that were chosen to deliver some information to to everyone else, to or the people in my life that I need to touch. In other words, you're a messenger. Yeah, I mean, in a way. artists are messengers. We're conduits. Yeah. You know, when you start believing that you're the shit and you got it all covered, and eh, that's when it's kind of like. Mm, you know, you get tested. I, I'm, I don't need to be tested. I just want to be loved and I just want to enjoy my life. I want to enjoy what I do. I want to enjoy the people that are around me. I want to perform. I want to live. I want to live because this is it, guys. It, time is ticking, you know? It always so, does. Yeah, it doesn't how stop. Do, you know, yeah, how do you stay honest? Uh, honest and um, just true. That's the best way I can say it. Wise words. I would like to normally end it with those wise words, but I would be remiss if I didn't ask you, do you remember your first time in Las Vegas? My first, yes, I do. And my first time in Las Vegas, I got married in the little white chapel. <laughs> no wonder you remember it. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? And that was a bad move. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Some things you did forget with from the accident, but that one you didn't. I, no, I couldn't forget her. Are you kidding me? I, I, I had pain for the last uh, last thirty years, because of it, if not longer. You know, <laughs> that one was like, ouch. And, and I knew it was wrong. I knew it was wrong. It wasn't meant to be. You know, but I was young, and you know, and what are you gonna do? Yeah. You do the best you can. You know. So, what about from a performing standpoint in Las Vegas? There's so many amazing moments on stage all over the world. Vegas is like, let me, how can I say this? You know what? The last time we played the Nugget, it was, it was a memorable one. Because my dressing room was, and is again Friday, is Frank Sinatra's dressing room, original dressing room. Mm -hmm. And that had, you know, I love Frank Sinatra. You know, my mother, quick story, my mother used to, always i would bring her home albums and i go hey mom listen i would always she would be really always have intelligent things to say you know and and i would play her the music and she's and i'm like all pumped i'm like yeah i'm singing i'm kicking ass here you know and she goes and she's got this face you know like i'm like what's wrong what's the matter it sounds amazing she goes really why do you sing so hard? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going, all the big singers sing easy. <laughs> Frank Sinatra, he sings easy. <laughs> I'm like, fuck, she's right. <laughs> she is right. You think about it, right? And I love the way you, you added the accent. That's great. <laughs> yeah, and I'm screaming. I got shit throwing on my toes, squeezing my ass, singing these notes. Like, oh man, she is so right, you know. And uh, and then so I'm in I'm in Frank's the dressing room and I'm sitting back and I'm just got my and I'm just like taking the energy and I'm like going, oh man, I am a silly boy. <laughs> That's a great way to leave it. My guest has been Milenko Matievich from Steelheart. The band is on their 30th anniversary tour and will be performing this Friday, July 23rd at the Golden Nugget, Las Vegas. For ticket information, 
Go to goldennugget.com. And for everything about Steelheart, go to steelheart.com. And you can follow them on Twitter at steelheartband and on Instagram at steelheart01 and Facebook at official steelheart. Lenko, thanks for being on the show. Well, thank you for having me. I hope to see everyone there at the show, and I hope to meet you at the show. Will do. I appreciate it. You got it. See you next time. You've been listening to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. Yeah.